Is the U.S. government bankrupt? Well, yeah, kind of. I mean, it is $30 trillion in the hole, so maybe that's not the right question. How about this one? Is holding a U.S. Treasury risky? Well, yeah, maybe that kind of is too. They certainly haven't had a very good ride the last year or so. And there's all sorts of questions about the sustainability of U.S. debt, so maybe that's not the right question here. How about this? Is holding a U.S. Treasury riskier than maybe receiving payments from an esoteric financial contract few people understand, underwritten by a too-big-to-fail bank who reports very little of any of it to anyone? Well, maybe that's a better question. We're talking about interest rate swaps and swap spreads. Now, a negative swap spread seems to be, on the surface, nonsense. Because it means you're receiving less of an interest payment on this esoteric financial contract than you might on the same maturity U.S. Treasury. So that would suggest, on the surface, that the market is saying that the U.S. government and the U.S. Treasuries are riskier than this financial derivative. If it pays you less compared to the same maturity U.S. Treasury, isn't that the market saying that the that the, this financial contract is less risky than the U.S. government and the U.S. Treasury? No, that's not what the market is saying. But when this first happened way back in October 2008, it shook everybody up because it seemed to be the market during one of the worst financial panics in history that the government was less risky than the very banks who were writing these contracts who were at that time being nationalized and failing and all sorts of things. So on the surface, a negative swap spread sounds like it's nonsense, but it is incredibly important nonsense because of what it tells us about the actual fundamentals of the monetary and financial system, and it's not the Fed and bank reserves. Before we get to that, as you know, I'm Jeff from Eurodollar University, and here's where I'm gonna tell you for the last time that this, if, if you're watching this video on Emil Kalinowski's YouTube channel, you're going to want to switch over to Eurodollar University's YouTube channel because this will be the final time that we post it in both places. Emil, as, we, as I said before, made the announcement, has sailed off into his new mission, scouring the globe for the first documented instance where bank reserves are useful money. I wish him all the best in his new is in his endeavor and hope that he can come back and visit uh, as many times as he possibly can in the in the future. So if you're watching this again on Emil's channel, go to Eurodollar University's channel. Also, if you are listening to me on Apple or one of the podcast outlets, you don't need to do anything. They'll still continue to be posted there as usual. You can also check us out at Eurodollar.university, the website for the organization here because all the information about pretty much everything is located there. So, negative swaps. Well, this isn't, let's, let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about the Swiss National Bank. I was talking with George Gammon yesterday on a live stream and always fun to visit with George. And he was saying about how, when he highlighted the Swiss National Bank, the dollar swap auctions, on Twitter, people were giving him the business because they accusing accusing him of being a fear monger. How dare you point out the $11 billion in Swiss National Bank dollar swaps because that's just $11 billion. It's really not that much. And what we, what we said then, as I've said before on this show, is that it's not just the Swiss National Bank. There's a whole range of issues, a whole range of evidence that suggests long before we got to Switzerland, things aren't going well. This doesn't mean we're saying the world is ending. Doesn't mean to say, doesn't mean we're saying 
the system is going to crash and it's violent and predicted in biblical times long ago. When you have governments that have that have borrowed so much money as the U.S. government has done, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that all the signs point to a growing global dollar shortage that is quite severe, leading to all sorts of financial and monetary instability, as well as the potential to spill over in the real economy that is already in really rough shape. So not great scenarios here, but not necessarily the end of the world either. And really, when you take a look at what's going on, the Swiss National Bank stuff is really kind of the, I don't want to say icing on the cake, but that's that's the last on the list. I mean, just this week, we had the three-month, 10-year U.S. Treasury spread invert for the first time during this cycle, which represents another key progression of this same thing. I'm talking the deflationary monetary environment moving further and further in the wrong direction in terms of the curve, moving closer and closer and closer to the front. We can do a whole show on the th- why the three-month, 10-year spread is so important, particularly why the three-month is so important, talking about TED. Um, also, the, I mean, the dollar's exchange value. The dollar's exchange value is a global financial bellwether. When it goes up, that's bad for everybody, including those in the U.S., even if we're somewhat sheltered from it. As I just did a video this week on Japan's yen, the crash there, showing that that's more about dollars than it is about anything else. So again, we have a whole range of indications. I've talked about LIBOR, I've talked about T-bills, all these other things that suggest something is going on. Something not good is going on in the global dollar system. And a really big one that most people probably aren't aware of or don't miss, unless, of course, you watch this channel, is interest rate swaps, swap spreads, negative swap spreads that have became really negative. Not just that they became really negative, but when this all happened. But before we get to that, let's let's talk about negative swap spreads to begin with. Now, first of all, as I said before, they went negative for the first time in late October of 2008 during financial crisis. There's your first clue about what's going on here. And many people thought, I mean, there were media stories, everything about, oh my God, the market is saying the US government is more risky than these banks that are writing these contracts. And that, that just wasn't the case. But it was an abnormal, in fact, it was it was such, an, uh, such a shocker that I heard rumors about uh, trading systems all throughout the, you know, these deep into, inside these Wall Street banks that wouldn't even accept a negative swap spread input because it was thought that impossible. A U.S. Treasury rate is the risk-free rate for the financial system. So how can anything fall beneath it? Well, here we had that happen for the first time. And I've actually heard from people who said, yeah, that was true. There actually were trading systems that wouldn't accept a negative swap spread, even though that had happened in Japan at the end of the 1990s. Still, it was thought impossible. So this was a big deal in 2008. But here's the thing. Swap spreads, especially the 30-year maturity, have gone low and remained low ever since. And I'm going to put up the chart here for swap spreads in the 2008 crisis. And you can see how after August 2007, when we went into crisis, you can literally see in the swaps market how it just exploded. And then the, uh, the, the worst part of the crisis, the worst part of the monetary crisis in 2008, you see swap spreads just collapsed. A 10-year swap spread would get to around two basis points positive by the time Ben Bernanke threw in the towel and announced ZERP and QE in December of 2008. And then it would go negative. The 10-year would also join the 30-year negative 
in early 2009, supposedly after the crisis in April of 2009. So swap spreads are a key indication deep inside the bowels of the, sh the shadows of the euro dollar system that can tell you something is going wrong. But what? What is it that a negative swap spread actually represents? Now, there was a study that was published, I think it was see, uh, back in October of 2018, written by a couple, four researchers from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Don't stop laughing. Yes, there is scholarship from the Federal Reserve that does, that, uh, does merit attention, serious, serious consideration. It was titled, fittingly, Negative Swap Spreads. Again, written in October 2018. And it helpfully put, uh, put together an example that shows you exactly why or exactly where to begin thinking about where negative swap spread goes wrong. Uh, here's the quote. In particular, if a market participant anticipates that swap spreads will move closer to historical levels, that means closer to where they should be relative to treasuries, they could enter into a pay fixed swap while simultaneously holding a long treasury position of matched maturity. The pay fixed swap ensures the participant against potential future interest rate fluctuations if the treasury and the swap have equal risk profiles along with other dimensions, such as counterparty liquidity risk, this trade represents an arbitrage opportunity in which the market participant earns the treasury coupon and three-month LIBOR, which probably going up, from the floating leg of the swap and pays the fixed, weight, fixed swap rate and the GC repo cost to finance the treasury holding. Now, I know that's a lot of gobbledygook, but what they're basically saying is that when, this neg when the swap rate, the fixed rate on the interest rate swap is less than the U.S. Treasury, there is an opportunity here to make gobs of free money. That's the arbitrage. You go long the U.S. Treasury to get paid the Treasury coupon, which is higher than the fixed rate swap already. You don't have to buy the Treasury. You fund it in repo, which means you're paying GC repo, which is the lowest of the, of the floating rate cost. And as we know, as we've been talking about, GC, with SOFR, GC repo rates have gone even lower, making this trade even more attractive. And what do you pay on the other side? You pay some kind of, if it's not LIBOR, then some LIBOR equivalent, and then pay the fixed rate swap, which as I said, the market is pricing below treasuries. It, it's a win, win, win on every side. So the question is, in a negative swap spread situation, where is everybody arbitrary? This is free freaking money. Where is everybody? And the answer is balance sheet capacity. This is the money of all money, the secret to the ledger, ledger system, the reserveless currency that is the euro dollar. Shameless plug here. This is exactly what we're going over in, all, in some of our member videos, particularly the series we're putting together, diagramming all this stuff and how it always comes back to balance sheet capacity. Now, that's not just my verdict. That's also the verdict of this study that was written in October 2018, where they said basically, yeah, it's balance sheet constraints on dealers that don't have the capacity to even arbitrage what is the sauciest free money that you could ever imagine. Because a repo trade has to go on a balance sheet somewhere, as do some of the funding liabilities. So in a, in a constrained situation, you could have in the swaps market, spreads, uh, spreads compressing whether they're negative or not, even if they're positive, they become less positive. And if they're already negative, like the 30-year swap spread, they become even more negative. Now, of course, the researchers at the Fed blame regulations for the constraints on dealers, which, okay, I mean, yes, the SLR and HQLA requirements have made things a little more rigid, 
but they also didn't start their study and their, their examination until much later when those were implemented, saying nothing about almost uh, half a dec more than half a decade of low and negative spreads before 2014 when all of those rules started to be implemented. So it can't be regulations that are responsible for swap spreads going negative for the first time in 2008, and it can't be regulations that kept them there all the way up until those were implemented much later. But the, the uh, findings remain anyway. Balance sheet constraints, dealer constraints. And there's also another one. Let's, this one might even be more important. So you have dealers constrained. Most of these interest rate swaps are also centrally cleared, which means there's collateral involved in participating in the swap on the centrally cleared platform, CCP. So already we're into collateral, but there's more here. So let's think about these swaps in terms of supply and demand. Now you usually have various counterparties in the swap market that want to do swaps for any number of reasons. Um, pension funds might want to manage their risk, their interest rate risk, so they want to receive uh, fixed payments or they want to pay fixed pay I mean, any number of reasons, including corporations, insurance companies, dealer banks that don't always run match books. I mean, any number of participants come into the swap market for any number of reasons. And if it's in balance like this, where the swap rate is less than the U.S. Treasury, you'd think there'd be more demand to do this kind of thing. So if there is high demand and dealers are intermediating in the swap market, trying to get floating rate payers matched with fixed rate receivers and all this other stuff that goes into a, an interest rate swap, if there's high demand for the swap, it makes sense that dealers would lower the fixed rate payout and maybe take the other side because there's a profit opportunity. It also makes sense that if there's demand for a swap, but there isn't enough people on the, there isn't enough dealers to intermediate the swap, that would also lead to a situation where you could have a lower fixed rate payout relative to the U.S. Treasury, a compressing or negative swap spread. And if dealers are taking a neutral position in the interest rate swap, one of the other things that they will do to mitigate their own risk of being in, in, the, in the market is demand collateral. And if the collateral that's being posted isn't the best quality collateral because somebody on the other side, or maybe it was good collateral at the time, but now you're thinking this isn't this, this collateral I thought was good isn't so great. How do dealers mitigate their risk in intermediating the swaps market here? Well, they also will compensate themselves by reducing the fixed rate payout. So if we have questionable collateral, dealers will make the swap spread compress even further, making it less positive or even more negative as they try to mitigate their own risks, looking at what's collateral, what collateral is being offered. So balance sheet capacity among dealers and collateral. And that's what we've seen time and time and time again. Swap spreads rise and fall. They really, they get, they, they get less low and less negative, not really rise. And then they go lower and more negative when we see these things happen. When the monetary system, global dollar shortage that goes back to dealer balance sheet constraints and collateral shortages. So where are we bringing, I mean, we're bringing all this up because Starting September of September 21st last month, not, to, not only did we have the UK, the gilt market blow up on, I believe it was the 22nd or 23rd, there was a move in swaps that started before the UK blow up 
and then it really hammered in the swaps market as all that stuff was happening. Again, these are US dollar interest rate swaps. We had an issue that began in the dollar system that blew up in the dollar system back in the, in the middle of September, involved the UK, got the, uh, the pound pounded for it, and then has continued. That's the other thing here, the last point that I wanna make. As I started out saying, conversation with Mr. Gammon, this isn't fear mind. This is not just the Swiss National Bank and 17 banks bidding for $11 billion at their repo auction, their US dollar repo auction. There are any number of warning signs, including this very key one, a big one, swap spreads. The 30-year swap spread, which was already deeply negative, but around 30, minus 30 basis points within a week, all the stuff going on in the UK, it was down to minus 51. And here's the most important part of all. After dropping to minus 51, normally you see these short-term spikes, swaps would go back up to maybe where they were or whatever. No, in this case, the entire swap market has, the spreads in the swap market have remained incredibly low, incredibly negative at the 30-year and have been negative now at the 10-year and for the last six days as well which suggests that whatever happened in September is still happening into October, which that brings us to the Swiss National Bank, the rising dollar exchange value, the fact that the Bank of Japan can't control the yen, as well as a number of other things, including the three-month 10-year inversion. It's not one thing or another. It is practically everything except of course the Federal Reserve. But as you saw, hopefully going through this interest rate swap example, what's the Fed got to do with it? So yes, the US government is ridiculously broke and it's broken on all our behalf. US treasuries may not look like they're risk-free, but they're at least liquid, yet interest rate swaps price the fixed leg less than those, those yields anyway, not because of nonsense, but because it's extremely useful nonsense that tells us something deeply fundamental about the real money in the world. Thanks for watching. I'm Jeff from Eurodollar University. As I said before, make sure you switch to Eurodollar University's YouTube channel. Check us out at eurodollar.university. There's memberships available there. We do exclusive videos where we actually get into the, the diagramming and nitty gritty details of how the system works. There's also presentations, question and answer videos. Um, there's research subscriptions available, partnering with uh, Stephen Van Meter and Tracy Schuchart. That's marketsinsiderpro.com. Also, you can get information on all that stuff, including my own deep dive analysis, which are available. It's all at eurodollar.university. Until next time, take care.